And today's scripture comes from Psalm 46. You can read this in the ESV. Um, There's ESV Bibles uh, if you're in a pew. uh, It's in front of you. If you're in a chair, it's right underneath you. Um, And uh, we'll also project the, the scripture on the screen. But once you are ready to read the scripture, if you can please stand as able. Again, it's Psalm 46. All right, so if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Right. We have been uh, going through a sermon series this summer called Happier. And there's probably not many things in this world that make people happier than the idea of vacation. Now, I have to say that throughout the pandemic, vacation has gotten a little bit trickier, right? Now, maybe this summer it's been a little bit easier to go on vacation, to go on an actual vacation where you, you know, go away from your home. Uh, But, you know, there has been this thing that's been gaining popularity, as one might expect, during the pandemic that... For a few years now, I've been hearing people talk about this idea of a staycation. You ever hear of that? Is a staycation, you know, is that it's supposed to be like this this substitute where instead of going away, you bring the vacation to your home. And so uh, this was a a, a picture that I found where it's like staycation ideas. Uh, So you can have a home water park, which is one of those kind of like janky, you know, like pools that are just inflatable, uh, or you can have camping at home, you know, you could just, uh, uh, I, I don't know, try to, you know, you, you camp in, at home, but isn't part of the fun, like, you know, you're in the outdoors, but anyways, um, is a staycation just as good as a vacation? I think most of us know that it's not, um, but yeah, you know, during this time, we've had to get creative. I even saw, um, uh, there was this viral video of this family. I don't know if you guys saw this. They were like recreating Disneyland. And so they, they, they just did it all in their house. And so like the roller coaster would be, you know, pulling someone in like a wagon or something, you know, or, or like sliding down the steps for a water slide or, you know, they had like Pirates of the Caribbean in their, their dining room, you know. And it's like, Of course, you know, it was just funny and cute. Like, it's not the same thing. We know it's not the same thing. 
But why does the staycation not sort of scratch that itch of vacation? What is it about a vacation that makes it so appealing and maybe you know, so wonderful? I'm not here to tell you that vacations are overrated or that they're bad. I think vacations are wonderful. I'm going to be going on a little bit of a vacation right after service, going to be going camping. Um, you know, and I've been looking forward to it. Vacations are great. You know? Um, but I want to sort of like boil down the essence of it. Like, what is it about a vacation that makes it so resting? Because as you know, the vacation doesn't last. You got to come home, right? And then it's over. And maybe you got to wait another year, you know? And I would like to benefit from vacations more than just that week that you're gone, you know? And so as I was thinking about it, one of the things I thought of was a very famous song that's literally called Vacation. It's by the Go-Go's. It, it came out in the early 80s, um, featuring a young Linda Ronstadt, if you know who that is. Uh, but I know, I'm dating myself. But you probably heard the chorus, because it's a really well-known song. It goes like this. Vacation, all I ever wanted. Vacation, had to get away. I don't see any recognition in any of your eyes. You all are like, what is this? <laughs> Maybe you've heard it like in a commercial jingle. I don't know. But yeah, you got me? Okay. All right. All right. Thank you for the, the pity recognition. <laughs> but there, there's a line in there that I think captures the, the essence of why we all crave vacations. Vacation had to get away. It's the getaway part, right? And this is why staycations don't do it for us because you're not getting away anywhere, right? You're right back where you began. And uh, Southwest Airlines really capitalized on that feeling of wanting to get away. They had a whole ad campaign. They had these hilarious videos uh, of people in like super awkward situations. Like there's one where this guy goes on like a romantic date and he drops off the girl um, in, in front of their house. And, you know, she's like, I had a great time. He's like, yeah, me too. And she walks out of the, the car, closes the door, and then he lets out the biggest fart. Because I guess he's been holding it like he's just like, ah, it's like really long, right? And then she comes back because she forgot her phone. And she's like, oh, hey, I forgot my phone. It's like, want to get away? Right? <laughs> there's another one with a, a, a general, like a four-star general, and there's like a whole room, a, an emergency situation, and you hear the sirens blaring like, ah, 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 like nuclear meltdown imminent. And they're like, general, general, we need your password to avert nuclear disaster. And he's like, uh, my password? Like, general, come on, we don't have time. What's your password? And he starts spelling it out, and it spells out, I hate my job. One, I guess, you know, you always have to have a number. But they're like, I hate my job, <laughs> you know? It's like, want to get away, you know? What is it about the, these commercials that, that it strikes a chord with people? It, it, we all have this feeling of wanting to get away. And, you know, uh, it, it is a great thing about a vacation because we all have stressful lives. We all have things at home that make us anxious and drive us crazy, and things at work. And maybe there are moments for you at work, or at home, or in some situation that's just same, same every day, and you're just like, I can't wait till vacation. I can't wait till I go to Florida. I can't wait till I go to California. I can't wait till I go to Korea. You know, and, and there's just something within you like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. I got to get away, right? Because 
there is something there, this idea that where you are, there is an environment. And, and, and you may have heard me talk about this. This is part of the reason why I think a lot of people don't really understand change and don't really understand what really forms us and makes us into the people of God. For Jesus, his primary message was not, I want to save your individual soul. That's what gets presented, right? And I, I don't want to deny that's not, that's not in there, right? It's implied that you will be saved because Jesus' primary message is about a kingdom, right? It is about the kingdom of God. And that is not just one person and just your individual self and your individual soul and your individual heart and your individual mind and your individual nervous system. It's a whole ecosystem around you. It's a whole atmosphere, right? And for many of us, we exist, we live every day in a kingdom of anxiety, a kingdom of stress, right? And for your desire to want to escape from that is not bad. That's actually, it totally makes sense. I want to give you a little tip to make your vacation better. And probably many of you, you already know this. You already do this instinctively. You already understand something about a vacation is that it is an illusion. You're not really getting away from your problems. You're only escaping for like a week. And then you're going to have to go back. Right? And for many of us, we're just so stressed and we're so under pressure that that week just feels like a lifeline. And in many ways, it can be. But the problem is, as we said before, you got to go back. Right? And so just a, a little tip, which, again, probably many of you guys do. Before you go on vacation, make sure you empty out your email box. All those unread emails from, from work, right? all of those things that, that had to get done, your to-do list, finish it. you got to finish it. Right? Because if you don't, if you leave those little hanging things or there's that thing that you had to talk to your boss about, and you're like, oh, I'll just wait until after vacation. Right? The problem is, is you're going to bring that with you. Right? And you're going to have that problem just rattling around in, in your mind and in your heart. And you're going to be like, oh my gosh, why haven't I, why haven't I talked to my boss before? And the whole time you're going to be worrying and rehearsing and, and thinking about, like, how am I going to deal with this? And you're not going to be able to enjoy the beautiful tropical environment or the rides at Disneyland or whatever it is, the wonderful environment that's there because you brought that kingdom of anxiety with you. You're a part of that. And that's the thing. You exist in that kingdom of anxiety so much that it's the air you breathe and you ingest that air every day and now it's a part of you. There's other people who are anxious around you, other people who are stressed out. <laughs> and then you're standing by them, and you're like, <laughs> and it just gets in you. And if you go long enough to a, a tropical paradise, you're going to start ingesting that atmosphere. And for that week you're there, maybe for the first day, you're still like, I'm, I'm still in you know, work mode or whatever. It takes a couple days for you to let go and relax a little bit, right? By the end of the time, you're like, oh, man, I don't want to go back, you know? And you're just, like, so relaxed, you know? But it can only happen if you are able to leave the anxiety behind you, right? Find a way to actually solve it. Not just get away for a little bit. That's the problem with the Southwest <laughs> airline. You know, I'm assuming that the general is going to go back to work, right? I'm assuming that that guy isn't going to just you know, never call the girl again, you know? You're going to have to face these things. You're going to have to come back to it. 
right? And so vacation is good as far as it goes, but you always have to come back to your everyday life. And so what is it about that, that, that atmosphere of the vacation that we can learn to experience every day? That's what we want to talk about today. And it is a very, very simple concept. It is one line from that psalm that we read, which, as you may know, uh, it's, it's a song, right? And the one line that sticks out to people, it's the one line that I want to impress upon you. This is how we can have the spirit of vacation anywhere and everywhere, at any time. It is through this one line. You want to know what it is? It is this. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. All right. Good night. <laughs> See you later. It's not, it's not nighttime, but <laughs> this is it. But there is so much profundity in this. And friends, a lot of it, I, I want to share with you um, just a few principles that we can glean from this one verse. Be still and know that I am God. So that we can have that spirit of vacation anywhere and, and, and at any time. And the key here is the one word that maybe doesn't get emphasized. It's the connective word, and. You need to have both. A lot of times when you are uh, on vacation, you have the stillness, right? You know, um, and the stillness is great, but the stillness is temporary because you're going to go back and you're going to have all of that activity again, right? So the stillness is great, but you can't always have it, you know, at least not in large quantities like we do on vacation. So the and part is very important. Be still and know that he is God. So the first principle of vacationing anywhere is that true rest comes when we stop trying to be God. So stillness, I think, is so important because you could have the second part. You're like, yeah, 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 I know that, that God is God, right? You could have that intellectually and still be trying to be God in your life. This is the way it works in our lives, is that you are a, a, a whole human being that is body, mind, soul, and spirit. And you can know that God is God. God is in control here. But you could not know it here in your heart. You could not know it in your limbs, in your shoulders. Sometimes my, my shoulders don't know that he is God because I have all this tension just, just you know, built up here. And just, just, I feel it, right? You know, sometimes my, 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 my heart rate doesn't know that he's God. Just like, ah, oh, ah, oh, right? Sometimes my mind, you know, I think I know that he's God, but I'm still worrying, right? And I'm still rushing, right? Sometimes the way that I drive, it doesn't reflect the knowing that God is God because I'm always in a hurry. And this is the thing. Your whole being will respond to that. You know, this is one of the things that we've learned uh, about human beings is that if you try to act scared for a little bit, you will start feeling scared. Do you know that? Or if you start acting excited, that you'll start feeling excited. This is one of the things they tell people with stage fright is that you can kind of reframe for yourself that nervousness. Instead of saying you're nervous, I guess like, like lots of psychologists have tried this and it works, is that people come out and they have stage fright and they feel nervous. And they say, instead of saying, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, say, I'm excited, right? And that feeling that you're having, that, that just, ah, you like say, I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited. And then before you know it, you feel excited. You are excited, 
right? And, and this is the experience for many of us. That if you are just going around and you are stressed all the time and you're living a stressed life, you're living a life as if everything depends on you. That's going to be your reality. Because as you may know, God is not a name, right? God actually has a name. That's a different sermon. <laughs> it's it's Yohevate or Yahweh. Different sermon. But the, the idea is that God is a title, right? We, we talk about the kingdom of God. A lot of times we don't understand kingdoms because we don't understand kings. We don't have a king, right? We are a democracy, right? It's freedom. We get to do whatever we want. Functionally, we are all our own kings and gods. But there was a time in, in different, you know, uh, governments and, and all that, that there are places where if a king tells you to do something, you got to do it. You have no choice. Or literally, you will be killed. I've been watching um, this Netflix show, Kingdom, and it's like, oh, the crown prince. It's like, if you don't bow, man, if you don't do what the crown prince says, they will kill you on the spot, right? And we don't understand that anymore. We're like, no, I don't want to do it, you know? And the thing with God is that God is a title that is above king. And, and it's not just that a king gets to tell you whatever they want, but a king has power. Now, how much power? Well, it depends on how mighty their kingdom is, right? But for God, God has way more power than a king. And this is part of the reason why we do what God says, right? Because God knows more than we know. God is more powerful than any of us are, right? And when you are in his kingdom you are in a place where you do not need to be in control anymore. You don't need to make everything happen because you are under his care. That's one of the benefits, right, of being in a kingdom. You know, if someone comes and messes with you, then the king will send his troops to go defend you, or that's what they're supposed to do, right? That's the trade-off, is you give the king your loyalty and your worship or whatever, and they give you their protection. Right? And when it comes to God, we are subjects in his kingdom. He is going to take care of you. But a lot of us, our bodies and our, everything, our nervous systems, have not caught up to that reality. We're not living in that reality. And one of the ways you can do that in a very real sense is be still. Stop. Just stop. Stop doing everything. Right? Relax. Act as if there is someone else in control. Right? And you will start feeling that if you can connect that idea. Be still and know that he is God. Because this is usually where the, the objection comes in. People are like, but Pastor Steve, don't I have to do something? I do have a job. It's important. Yes, it is. And, and it's not to say that we you know, can just stop doing everything all the time. But I'm saying that there are moments that if we can be still enough, we can be reminded that we are not in control, right? But for many of us, we can't do it. We can't do it. It's seriously so hard. I've done this many times at LGM because I have found that this has become the cornerstone of my prayer life is learning to be still. Because if I can't get this right, if I can't get this right, then God really is in, in control in my life. 
You know what I mean? If I can't be still and know that he is God, then my prayers are going to be done in the spirit of anxiety. Right? If I'm still rushing around thinking that I'm God, then I'm not functionally in a place where I'm fully believing and trusting and living into the reality that he is God. And so i got to get this right. And so I, I've, I've talked about this many times with LGM. I've been, uh, you know, in so many worship services and, and different things where, you know, the speaker might do something where they're like, hey, let's all just be still for a moment. Let's just be silent. And then he, he won't tell people or she won't tell people how long they're going to be still, Right? And then they'll ask people, how long do you think that was? And for some people, they think it was shorter. And for some people, they think it's longer or whatever. But I'd say most people are like, dude, that felt really long. And, and you know, for most of us, especially when you're in that anxiety, and there is this thing that happens when you start being still that there's something within you that's like, no, I got to do something. I got to do something, Right? And this has been my experience. So, you know, a lot of times it'll just be one minute, but people will be like, is that five minutes, ten minutes? Now, how long was that? It was like, it's only one minute. But we don't know how to be still. We did this once for LGM. Uh, <laughs> I talk about this a lot, famously. We did it for ten minutes where we were just all still. And I got to tell you, I've never seen so many people get up to use the restroom than in that ten minutes. You know, I'm like, did you guys all drink that much coffee? Or is it that we just, we just don't like it? We can't do it, right? We don't know how to be still anymore. And a lot of it is because we don't connect that second part and know that he is God because the implication there is if God is moving on your behalf, then you don't have to move, right? It is the best way to learn to be still. Because there's this worry, this idea that I have to do something. If I don't do it, then the world is passing me by. If, if I don't hustle, if, if I don't complete the assignment, if I don't do my work, then, you know, everything, like, there's going to be a lot of bad things that happen. I'm going to get passed up for the promotion, right? But it is something we have internalized. So there literally could be times where I have nowhere to go, nothing to do. And I sit down to pray and just be still before God. And before I know it, just a couple minutes in, I feel that jitteriness in my heart. It's like, hey, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. Come on, let's go do something. Right? That's how much we are in this environment of anxiety, in this environment where we all need to be our, God, our own gods and you know, we got to make things happen. Right? we got to learn this new way of being. Um, there is a very famous prayer that um, is, is used a lot in, like, Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, it's called the Serenity Prayer. And I think the Serenity Prayer kind of speaks to the concern that maybe many of us may have of, like, yeah, but there's still things that need to be done. Um, so uh, Reinhold Niebuhr was the first person uh, to uh, come up with the Serenity Prayer. It's been adapted a lot over the years. And so this is a version of it. Um, God, give me grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things which should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. And, and what I like about this prayer, and maybe you know, for some of you uh, who've heard it before, there's this idea that there are a lot of things that you cannot change and take care of. But a lot of times, it doesn't stop you 
feeling anxious about it, right? So it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what, what did they think about me? What did they think about me? You can't do anything about that. But you still worry about it, right? And so, you know, this prayer that I think a lot of people are like, yeah, man, I resonate with this. There's a reason why this prayer has been, you know, put on bookmarks and put on people's refrigerators and, you know, they hang it up on walls is because, man, we worry about so many things that we cannot control. We want to be the gods of our own lives and we want to be in control, but we're not. And so a lot of times we just got to chill. We just got to rest. We just got to lay that down before God and say, I need to be still and know that you're God right now, that I can't do this. I can't change my boss's mind. I can't make that person like me. I can't make that problem go away. But I can just be still and know that you are taking care of everything and you love me. And so I don't need to be the one to try to figure this out because I can't. So I just need to be still. Maybe there are some things that we need to do, right? And, and by all means, do those things. But what a lot of people say is that, I don't know if this is scientifically proven, but they say something like, 80% of all our thoughts are repetitive and useless. 80%. We just keep thinking the same thing again and again on a loop, and it is tiring, right? And so I'm not saying quit your job. I'm not saying drop out of school, right? By all means, do what you need to do. But there are many, many in-between moments where we can just chill out, where we can just be still and know that someone else, a God of the whole universe, is taking care of it. The, the second thing that we want to talk about, so first one was true rest comes when we stop trying to be God. The second thing is to let the godness of God sink in. What do I mean by that? So again, we said that God is a title, right? And it is this idea that God is all-powerful. He is the creator of everything. He is in control, and we need to let that truth sink in. There's so much in um, Psalm 46 that speaks to that. And so let's take a look at it. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, right? That very present help, um, sometimes that gets translated as ever-present, like he's always there to help you. Um, but I, I see that in the Hebrew, it actually close, more closely means well-proven. This idea that, yes, God is here, and he's right there. He's ever-present. But it's because he has proven himself to be faithful. You know you can rely on him, right? It's almost like, you know, to say, um, hey, anytime I fall... Um, you know, this guy comes and catches me, or my dad catches me, or my mom will take care of me, right? They can't do that unless they're close by. Does that make sense, right? Because they're always there, whenever you fall, they catch you, right? And so if God catches you every time you fall, then you know he's always there, right? And so he's got this track record. He is reliable. It is well proven. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. We've seen God be faithful in the past, and so we know he's going to be faithful again in the future. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Right? And so this idea that even if there is all this stuff that is quaking and shaking in the earth, there is this city that is well provided for. 
What does that sound like? It's like the kingdom of God, right? There is this city, there is this Jerusalem, there is this place where there is a river that is always flowing, that is always providing refreshment and what they need. Even though the world may be going crazy, this city is provided for, this city is secure, right? And then there is this word. Do you guys notice that it was in uh, the scripture when we read it? And did you notice what I did? Did anyone notice what happened? I didn't read Selah. Do you guys notice what I did when we were reading it before? I paused. Maybe you're like, did Pastor Steve lose his place? <laughs> we're not exactly sure what Selah means, but most people think, most scholars believe that it's like a musical term that was a notation that told people to pause and reflect and just kind of let what you just read and sang, just let it sink in, right? There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High, and you just pause and let that truth sink in, right? It happens again. Um, there's three selahs in this passage. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And there's this other pause. We just pause. Right? This idea, God is our fortress. We will not be shaken. Right? Come and behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the spear. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. This idea of God being more powerful than even the armies of this earth. Did you know that? What does it mean when it says he brings the desolations upon the earth? I know that sounds so apocalyptic. But did you know that there's armies that can be defeated way more efficiently through one thing, weather. There are many, uh, like, like if you see like Alexander, <laughs> they think Alexander the Great was not defeated by any army. He was defeated by weather. He went too far. It got too cold. He couldn't go anymore, right? God can defeat any army, right? And there is nothing in this world that is more powerful than our God. And if this God is protecting us, then we can be still. Then we can rest in that, right? And so again, friends, let the godness of God sink in. And there might be the, these moments where we can just, you know, reflect on that. You know, maybe in your time of prayer, you can just, you know, reflect on the fact that, especially when you feel yourself being, feeling anxious, you know, just remind yourself, God is in control. God is in control. Remember some of the things that God has gone, done before, right? So remember that. God is an ever-present help. He is a well-proven help. He has been there before. So even if the earth starts to shake and the foundations start to shake and everything is just chaos around me, I will not be shaken. I will not fear because I know He's been faithful in the past. He's going to be faithful again. That's one of the things that gets me through my life. 
is that, of course, I go through uncertain things all the time. And it's very easy in this world when everyone else is freaking out to start freaking out. But to say, wait, 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 wait a minute. I've been here before. And God was faithful then. God is going to be faithful now, right? He's going to come through. And so just to take a moment and to just let that soak in. Pause. Rest in that knowledge. And then lastly, we must both acknowledge and worship God as he is. So there's one thing to, to uh, um, you know, acknowledge that God is in control. You know, that's a good thing, right? But I think if you'll notice, um, I'm going to go back to, uh, I don't think it's here. I'll just read it for you. But um, at the very end, it says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's actually the, the full verse 10. Verse 10 is not just be still and know that I am God. And maybe whoever split up the verses kind of knew that you could not remove, I will be exalted. You could not remove worship from the reality that God is God. If you're to say, I will be still, be still and know that I am God, you have to worship that. You have to worship God, right? You have to worship at that knowledge, in many ways, that, that, that is the natural response. Like I said, this is not just a scripture. This isn't a letter. This isn't a poem. This is a song. They sang this in praise of God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then you pause and let that sink in, right? Friends, there are moments in our lives where, you know, maybe you hear this truth and you acknowledge that God is God, but you're not participating in it. That's what worship is. It is the natural response to participate with the truth of who God is. If you knew how great God was, if you fully experienced that, you couldn't help but be in awe. It's like when you see something so beautiful, Right? And, and maybe you see that, that, that beautiful sunset and you're just in awe. Right? Maybe, maybe like, like you, you have like a physical response. Or I don't know, maybe you see like some great feat at the Olympics. Someone does some crazy flip off the balance beam, you know? And you're like, whoa, I've never seen that before. You just naturally respond. That's what worship is. When we know who God is, we cannot help but respond. And remember what I told you. There are many times where your mind and your heart and your emotions will follow your body. And so it's one of the tricks that many people have learned. When you're not feeling it, worship. Start worshiping God. And your mind will catch up. Your heart will catch up. Right? sometimes we need to to profess and and we need to worship into faith. And and I know that's something that I've had to do quite often. And I want to encourage you, friends. Um, So so I want to ask you, um, as we close this this message, um, when are your moments of Selah? When are your moments when you can be still? Your moments of rest in the sovereign care of God. 
I called this message Vacation Anywhere, and there's a problem that we have. Because when you can do something anywhere at any time, a lot of times we won't do it, right? It's kind of like, um, you, you know, like with like Netflix and these things where we have like all the movies in the world that we can watch, you know, and then you end up not watching anything because you're like, I can watch it anytime, you know? But if you only owned one DVD, right, you'd probably watch that again and again and again. And that's the way it is with vacation. When you only have one week out of the year, you're going to use that week, right? You're going to get away. But when you can do it anytime, maybe there's always a solution. Well, I'll do it when it's more convenient. I'll do it when I have time. But friends, I, I know for me, it's something that I've realized that I, you can't help but get into that kingdom of anxiety. You know, I have talked many times about my struggles with anxiety. I, I've had gone through like terrible panic attacks. I went through a season where I was having panic attacks all the time and, you know, I, I, I couldn't sleep. And a, a lot of the things that I talk about, I've had to, to practice myself, you know, really lean into uh, uh, just my faith and these practices of learning to be in the care of God and to know that I'm completely safe. And, and you know, there have been times at night, man, I am worshiping God because my body is freaking out. My mind is freaking out. And I'm like, no, God, you are in control. You are in control. God, I worship you. And I'm fighting for it. And I'm fighting for it. And I'm fighting for it. And it gets better. And I go through a season where I'm much better. And then I stop. Has that been you? And then you get back. You get back to a place where you're all anxious again. You get to a place where you're freaking out. And the next time something happens at work, next time something happens in your personal life, you're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I don't know what I'm going to do. You're freaking out again. Friends, don't we need it every day? Don't you? I know I do. This reminder to be still and know that he is God. The best way to do it is to build it into your day, right? I mean, it can be a set time. You know, that's what a lot of people call like a devotional time or a quiet time. You know, a lot of people will try to do it first thing in the morning to set that tone all day so you can be in that kingdom mindset. No, you don't need to freak out all day long, right? And sometimes there might just be moments throughout the day, you know, you're, you're driving to work, you know, and you can just take a moment to just be still, you know, turn off the radio, right? Silence the phone, right? And just maybe look at the sun as it's coming up, you know? Maybe just look at the trees as you're driving by them and be reminded God is in control. Be still and know. Because it won't happen automatically, friends. We're going to have to fight for it, right? And so... Do you even know, do you even understand your need for these moments? So I know I do. I need it every day. I want to just take a moment um, to be still. We're going to go into communion in a moment, but friends, if you could just, you know, if you want to close your eyes, if you feel comfortable with that, you know, I, I would encourage you not to bow your head because all the, the blood rushes forward and you just start to get drowsy. But when, when I am still before God, I try to keep my back as straight as possible because you want to be awake for this, right? Just maybe just take a deep breath, friends. If you want to do that with me, in through your nose, 
and hold it for a second, and then out through your mouth. You can just kind of count two when you breathe in, like a slow one and two. Hold it, one and two, out, one and two. Hold it again, one and two, and then do it again. Breathe in through your nose. Hold it, breathe out. And friends, as you're doing that, maybe just take a moment. You, you, you can just keep saying that. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Maybe you can say something like this. Let go and know that God is in control. Let go. Let go, Steve. Let go. Let go and know that he is in control. We're not going to do this super long, friends. You can do this on your own, but let's just take a few moments. This is a beautiful moment. Um, if, if you're at home, uh, I, I just want you to imagine there's just this beautiful stillness in this room right now. It's, it's just there's an ease here. That there's a rest here. Some of you might, you might even be getting sleepy because it's so restful and peaceful. It's not bad. But let's just take a moment and just be conscious of this truth. Let go and know that God is in control. If you do this 10, 15, 20 minutes if you can, a day, friends, I think you will start living into this reality to know that God loves you, right? He sent his son to die for you. There's nothing you need to do to impress him anymore. You can just rest. And then you can go about your day in the spirit of profound rest in God, knowing that he is in control. Amen. Let's go into our time of communion.